0: Good morning, Glad Tidings. How you all doing today? Huh? If you have your Bibles uh, or smart devices, please turn with me to Luke chapter 19 this morning. Luke chapter 19. During this Near Far series, we have been uh, challenging your perception of what it means to be near God. And we've been challenging your perception of how Jesus relates to people. How many of you know that our our perceptions need to be challenged? Our thinking about who God is and how God relates to people has to be challenged. And the reason our thinking about God has to be challenged... Is because God said this through Isaiah the prophet. In Isaiah chapter 55 verse 9. God said this. He said as high as the heavens are above the earth. So high or so far or so different are my thoughts than your thoughts. So different God said are my ways from your ways. If that verse is true and how many of you believe it's true. If that verse is true, then there is a huge gap between the way God thinks and the way we think. There's a huge gap between the way God does things and the way we do things. And as the church, our goal is to narrow that gap. Our goal is to to, for all of us to be thinking and acting exactly like Jesus would think and act. And so it's right for us and imperative for us to challenge the way we think about God and challenge the way we think about how God relates to lost people. And so this morning, what happens is this, is when you really begin to challenge how you think about God, you're going to be surprised by God. You're going to be surprised by God. Let me ask you this morning, when is the last time God surprised you? When's the last time you read something, you heard something in a, in a book, in the Bible, in a meeting, talking to a friend? When's the last time God surprised you? Because as believers in Jesus Christ, we should live surprised. Every day we should be surprised by God. The title of the message this morning is, You Might Be Surprised. Just like you might be surprised this morning that our band played a song last Sunday called Heathens. How many of you that was a surprise? Huh? You might be surprised that your pastor bought two cigars and a case of beer a few months ago. It wasn't for me. You might be surprised this morning that your pastor's wife was bar hopping last Sunday night. You might be surprised this morning that your pastor's oldest son visited a mosque this past week with his Muslim friend. I told you you might be surprised. How many of you would like to hear more? Yeah? You'd like to hear more? Good, I'm sure you will. You'll hear plenty more. And the more I talk... (laughs) I might be surprised if I'm still the pastor by next Sunday. So see, the truth of the matter is surprising things will happen when you begin thinking differently about who God is and how he relates to people. And so I want you to put on your your seatbelts this morning and buckle up for a crazy ride because I believe God has some surprises for us. And the surprises are found in Luke chapter 19. And we're going to begin in verse number one. Luke 19, verse one, the Bible says this: Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately I must stay at your house today. Verse number six. So he he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and they began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Verse nine, Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost Four surprises in this passage this morning. The first is this. You might be surprised by the kind of people who are interested in Jesus. You might be surprised by the kind of people who are interested in Jesus, The Bible says that Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus was a wealthy tax collector. In that day and age, tax collectors were considered the worst of the worst of the worst of sinners. In fact, in the New Living Translation, the Bible describes Zacchaeus as not the the chief sinner, but a notorious sinner. So let's give you a little bit of background about this tax collecting thing. Rome came in and occupied Palestine. They occupied Israel, okay? So politically, Rome is in charge, but Rome allows the Jewish nation, Jewish people, to practice their religious customs. They have the freedom to do that. So Rome, when they captured, when they took over Israel and they occupied Israel, they had a decision to make. We can either take them as slaves or as hostages back to Rome, but that would cost us a lot of money. We'd have to feed a lot of people and house a lot of people. So instead of doing that, let's just tax them. Let's put taxes on them. But how do you tax a people who don't have bank accounts? What do you do? How do you tax a people who don't have bank accounts and you don't know how much they make? What you do is you hire an insider. You hire an insider who knows where the wealth is in the land. And so Rome would hire these tax collectors, if you will. And like Zacchaeus, they would hire them and they would be like collaborators. They were the inside guy. And here's what it would look like. Zacchaeus would say, hmm, I know this guy in Bethlehem who has 90 sheep. And he would think to himself, I'm going to tell Rome that this guy has 90 sheep and Rome's going to say, ah, then let's tax this man. See, this is what Zacchaeus would do on the outside. Nobody would know this guy has that he's loaded. Right. Nobody knows this guy in Bethlehem's loaded. He's got these 90 sheep, but Zacchaeus knows that. So he would then go and tell Rome and they would tax him accordingly. But here's what would happen. The guy who owns 90 sheep would try to find Zacchaeus first. How many of you know that's smart? And he'd say, Zacchaeus, listen, I've got 90 sheep. You know I've got 90 sheep. Rome doesn't know I have 90 sheep. Please don't tell them I have 90 sheep, right? All right, Zacchaeus would say, I won't tell them, but what do I get for it, right? And then a little bribe would then pass under the table, a little hush money, right? And then you know what Zacchaeus would do? What every good thief would do. He would tell Rome about the 90 sheep. And so Zacchaeus walked away with the bribe, and he would also walk away with the commission, And that's how he became very, very wealthy. He was a notorious thief. And now you can see why he was called the worst of sinners. The tax collectors used a privileged relationship to exploit their own people. They were crooks. And yet the Bible says that Zacchaeus, this man, this great sinner, he wanted to see who Jesus was. Can I tell you this morning, you might be surprised by the kind of people who are interested in Jesus. You just might be surprised. I invited our neighbors to church. I invited the neighbor who throws beer cans over the fence into our yard. I invited him to church. I invited the neighbor that called the Humane Society and threatened to have our dog picked up and taken away. I even called the neighbor and invited him to church, the one who's called the cops on us several times. I told you you might be surprised this morning. And I invited all my neighbors to church. And here's what's even more surprising. I expected none of them to show up at church. But all of them did. You might be surprised at the kind of people... Who are interested in Jesus and one of those neighbors after sitting right over here about three weekends gave his life to Jesus Christ. You might be surprised. And by the way, that man's name is Jim and three months after he gave his life to Christ, Jim died. I'm glad I invited Jim to church. You might be surprised who would say yes to Jesus. They'll never come to church. They'll never come. They're so far from God. They would never come to God. That's what they used to say about you. That's what they used to say about you. They thought there's no hope for him. There's no hope for her. She's so lost. He's so lost. Never come to God. You'll be surprised. The kind of people who want to get a better look at Jesus. Nobody expected Zacchaeus, a wealthy man of high position wearing an expensive robe to shuttle up a tree like a curious schoolboy. Nobody, sur- nobody expected a man of that stature to humble himself. Nobody. You might be surprised by the kind of people in your everyday life that are interested in Jesus. You might also be surprised By the kind of people who Jesus is interested in. Jesus said to Zacchaeus that day. He said, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house today. You know, I find very interesting. Jesus never invited people to church. He simply invited himself into their life. A pastor is not supposed to say that. Jesus never invited people to church. Like I said, I may not be here next week. You'll be surprised. (laughs) He never invited people to church. He simply invited himself into their messed up life. I'm coming to your house. He didn't say, come to my house. See how nice and pretty it is. We just remodeled it. Fancy orders He said I'm coming to your house right now. No time to clean your act up. I'm showing up right now. But wait wait wait. We've got a Saint Bernard. That means we don't ha- we don't need carpet. We have natural carpet fibers all over the house. <laughs> you say we're coming to the house, you know what we do? We got sweepers, we got vacuums, you know, we got, we got, we got trouble in our house. You say you're coming to my house. I'm going to say, uh-uh, not my house. (laughs) Listen, our dog loves people. He loves to invite people over for lunch. Just remember that. So this profound act of honor, Jesus says to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And why is this an act of honor? It's because everybody in the crowd that day wanted Jesus to over their house. In that culture, it was an honor to invite yourself to somebody else's house. And out of everybody that he chooses to invite himself over to, he picks this notorious sinner named Zacchaeus. Unbelievable. To feel the impact that this invitation had on Zacchaeus. You have to understand the the context of the day. Zacchaeus was a Jewish man. But because Zacchaeus traded his own people. Becoming a tax collector. He traded his own people. He was a traitor. Because of this, the church excommunicated Zacchaeus. In other words, they said, you're no longer a Jew in our book. And you're no longer welcome to worship in our synagogue. And you're no longer welcome to come to our house. And by golly, nobody's going to step foot in your messed up house because you're no longer a Jew. You're no longer a son of Abraham. And it's in this context that Jesus stops right where Zacchaeus is. And he says, I want you to come down immediately because I'm coming to your house today. Everybody said, not in my house, Zacchaeus. You're not coming over. And Jesus says, I'll come to your house. You might be surprised. You might be surprised by the kind of people Jesus is interested in. One of our staff members became friends with a few people who work at the coffee shop that he likes to frequently visit. And these employees at this coffee shop, they're openly homosexual. So our staff member has to make a decision, right? Am I going to boycott this place of business? Make a statement? Or am I going to say, I'm coming to your house today? The last time you walked into that coffee shop, you know what those employees said? Ah, look, here comes my favorite customer. Jesus ate with sinners. And if he lived in Omaha, Nebraska... He would frequent that coffee shop. In fact, he does live in Omaha, Nebraska. And he does frequent that coffee shop. Jesus ate with sinners. When's the last time you surprise someone with grace? You see, that's what that's what Jesus did with Zacchaeus. He surprised him with grace. Jesus knew all about Zacchaeus' behavior. He even knew his name, knew his reputation. But in spite of all of that, Jesus surprised Zacchaeus with the grace of God. Jesus didn't allow Zacchaeus' behavior to stop Jesus from drawing near to this man. Sometimes we want to we meet with people who are far from God and tell them how far they are. Tell them everything they're doing wrong, right? What if we became a guest in their messed up life? What would that look like? What would happen if instead of condemning the badness of man, we demonstrated the goodness of God? How about we let the Holy Spirit do his job? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin and righteousness, it's not my job to convict lost people of their sin. It's my job to surprise them with the grace of God. Have you ever noticed in reading the Gospels how often Jesus would first heal the sinner before he forgave the sinner? I think a lot of times what we want to do is, is, is we, want to, we want to point out the behavior rather than heal the wound. How many of you know there's a wound behind every behavior? There's a reason behind it. What if instead we said, you know what? Let's do what Jesus sent out the disciples to do. To heal and to deliver. To heal and to deliver. He never sent them out to judge. Listen, judgment will come. How many of you know judgment day is coming? Judgment will come. And judgment is for those who have rejected God's amazing offer of grace. The reason Jesus judged the Pharisees as hard and as often as he did is because they rejected the grace of God. They wanted nothing to do with the grace of God, not even for themselves. Brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs, hypocrites. How many of you know Jesus was judging them? How many of you know Jesus can do that? It's interesting to me how we are never called to judge those outside the house. But Paul said to the Corinthians, we do judge those inside the house. There is a judgment of fruits that we have to we have to we have to hold up and say, hey, if the spirit of God is in you like you say he's in you, then show the fruit of the spirit. Right. But those outside, those who are far from God, who are we to judge them? God's not given us that responsibility. He's given us the responsibility to surprise them with grace. So don't let someone's behavior keep you from drawing near to them. Remember, you might be surprised by the kind of people whom Jesus is interested in. The third thing is you might also be surprised by the way church people respond to the grace of God. You might be surprised by the way church people respond to the grace of God. They began to mutter. Bunch of mutterers. What were they muttering? He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. You might be surprised how church people respond to the grace of God, especially when it's poured out on the undeserving. We forget that we were the undeserving and still are the undeserving to receive the grace of God. They expected Jesus, the Messiah, to come to judge sin and to destroy sinners, especially the kind who sided with the Romans as Zacchaeus did. If this happened in our day and age, we'd tell Zacchaeus, you know what? We're good news for all people except for thieves like you. And you know what we do? We drop them from our Facebook page or whatever that is right? And we'd alert our security team. If Zacchaeus tries to get in, let him know he's not welcome here, right? That's what we would do. Two weeks ago, I received this email from a young lady. She writes this. Her name is Jennifer. I've been thinking about joining and returning to church. I thought, oh, this is going to be a good one. Then she says, well, today, as I sat outside your church, I got yelled at and I was told to leave simply because I was playing Pokemon. I was told I worship demons and I support witchcraft. I was left speechless, she said. My thoughts towards your church were wrong. I had been asked to come in, if I had been asked to come in and talk, maybe even explain why you felt this way in a calm manner, I would have understood. But my, understand, my understanding now is maybe you're all like this, assuming mean, judgmental people. I don't wish to be around any of that. You might be surprised how church people respond to the grace of God. Can I tell you this morning that we can either be the biggest barrier to people coming to the God or we can be the greatest bridge for people coming to God. We need to change the way we think God thinks. We need to change the way we think God thinks about lost people. Carrie was recently invited to a baby shower by a colleague of hers at work. She had befriended this colleague uh, for the last four years, building relationship with her. And this colleague is single. She is far from God and she is pregnant and she is having a baby shower at her favorite bar. And she invited Carrie, the pastor's wife of Glad Tidings Church. So want to make sure you got that online. Invited the pastor's wife to a bar for a baby shower. What do you do? You can say, you know what? You know, I, you know, I can't be seen. I, you know, or you can say, you know what? I'm coming to your house today. So she gets there. She shows up at the bar and it turns out there's three bars right next to each other. It's like, like a shopping mall of bars, you know, and she's like, hmm, I wish, she didn't know which one it was. So she started bar hopping. So I'm just saying, if you saw my wife bar hopping last Sunday night, it was her. You need to pray for my wife. So she finally finds the right bar. She gets in there, and they have this baby shower for this, for this colleague of hers. And you might hear this story and some of you are going, good for you, Carrie. Go for it. Some of you are going, I can't believe she did that. I can't believe she did that. Here's the truth. Let me tell you how I feel about this. I don't care what you think. I want to know what God thinks about what my wife did Sunday night bar hopping. That's what I want to know. Jesus said at the end of the story. He said, I came not only to save the lost, I came to seek them. We're okay with Jesus saving lost people, but I'm not sure I like the idea of him going to bars and going to these kinds of places. How many of you know Jesus came not just to save them, but to seek them? By the way, Carrie ran into the the boyfriend of her colleague at Target the other day, and he said it was so good to see you at the bar the other night. We would love to have you over to our house for dinner. Sometimes you have to go to the bar before you go to the, you know. All right. So just saying. Can I get into your business? God, get into our business today, please surprise us, surprise us. Are you willing to do anything short of sinning to reach people that nobody is reaching? Are you willing to do anything short of sinning to reach people that nobody is reaching? I think Jesus did that. I think when God became a man, he came down to earth and he did everything short of sinning to reach people no one was reaching. I think Jesus did it to such a degree that, that he was called a friend of sinners, that he was called a glutton, that he was called a drunkard. Are you with me this morning? He was called demon-possessed. He was called out of his mind. Why? Because he was willing to do everything short of sinning to reach people nobody was reaching. I ran into a young man after the first service and he came up to me and he said, Pastor, if you would have preached that message three years ago, I would have never left the church. You might be surprised how church people respond to the grace of God. This past week, Pastor Raphael got his hair cut. If you see him, tell him you got a nice cut. All right. So he's sitting in the barber chair. And ladies, let me just clue you in how this works. I can tell you from past experience, it's been a while. So so this is what guys do when they get to the barber. They don't want to talk. This is their downtime. This is their chill-out, check-out time. And for some of you, this is your nap time. How many guys have fallen asleep in the barber? Come on, raise your hand. Fallen asleep in the barber's chair. I, I noticed that haircut, so... So he's he's just like just enjoying getting his haircut, you know, and the Holy Spirit says to Pastor Raphael show him the video. Of the Glad Tidings worship band playing the song Heathens. (laughs) Okay, Lord, so he pulls out his phone, goes to that Facebook post of the Glad Tidings band playing the song Heathens, and he says to his barber, hey, have you ever heard of the group 21 Pilots? Did I get that right? It's not my favorite band, so I don't, you know. Remember. Yeah, I've heard of 21 Pilots. They're I like them. They're cool. They're this and that. He goes, well, watch this. So he shows him this video, and he's watching this video, and he's jamming with it, you know. And Pastor Raphael says, uh, that's, that's my church. He's like, what? Your church? He goes, I didn't know 21 Pilots was in town last week. It's honestly, what he said. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And he goes, no, no, that's my church, and that's our worship band. He says, that's your church. That's your worship band. Pastor Raphael says, yeah, we haven't always, you know, we haven't always treated outsiders well, but we're working on it. And God is helping us. And here's what the guy said. He goes, you know what? I want to come to your church and I want to see your worship band. How many of you know the gap between this man and Jesus just got a little smaller? Come on, let's put our hands for God today. Wow. Wow. Can I tell you another story? A couple months ago, uh, Pam Franks invited a a Muslim man. His name is Mohammed. Invited him to come and tell his story um, during a Wednesday night prayer meeting. This man is not a Christian. He is a devout Muslim and he is a refugee. He came to Omaha. Uh, Pam Franks met him through a refugee orientation. And during that orientation, she heard his story She heard about his messed up life. She heard that his people group are actually being terrorized by the Taliban. She heard the stories about about his own family members killed right in front of his own eyes. And here he is in in Omaha, Nebraska. And Pam hears the story. And she goes, you know what? I think our church would love to pray for you and your people group. Would you like to come to a Wednesday night prayer meeting? You can share your story and we'll pray for your people group. is not that awesome. And so here we have this Muslim coming and his name is Muhammad, And we're all going, oh, my goodness, what is going on? This is awesome. Almost everybody thought it was awesome. <laughs> then I find out there are some families that that chose not to come that Wednesday night. And, and they were afraid. They were afraid. Listen, God wants us to be not just in word only good news for all people, but indeed as well. Listen, church, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The church can be the biggest barrier in people coming to Jesus, or we can be the greatest bridge. Our oldest son, Levi, he is a a freshman at UNO, and uh, he's made some friends with four Muslim students at UNO. Here's a picture of uh, Levi and his four Muslim friends in the basement of our house. Yasser on the bottom left, the guy going, Right. Bottom left. Then there's uh, Abdul. And then there's Fasser with the funny looking big hat on. And then Muhammad over there. These are Levi's friends. Now, Yasser in the bottom left corner, he is a devout Muslim. Uh, he prays five times a day. He attends the mosque regularly and he's memorized half of the Quran. And Levi has been just talking to Yasser and, and just talking about God and the difference between Islam and Christianity and having lots of intense conversations. And one day Levi says, "This, I want to. I want to come to your house today." He says, "I want to go to mosque with you. I want to visit your mosque. Will you take me?" And Yasser is just honored by that. And, and Levi, this past week, he attends mosque with Yasser and they, they come an hour early so, so Yasser can explain how everything works. And, and Levi said this, listen, when it's time to say prayers, I'm going to pray to the God that I know. Yasser says, that's good. After the service, if you will, the iman, the, 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 the pastor of the mosque comes up to Levi and he says, ah, when did you convert to Islam? And Levi says, you know, I did not. I have not converted to Islam. I am a Christian. And you know what the imam said? He said, Levi, it's so good to have you with us today. And I thought, wow. If the Muslims can be so kind to the Christians when they visit the mosque, how much more should the Christian welcome the Muslim that visits the local church? Come on. Let's be good news for all people. Yasser said this afterwards. He goes, Levi, I never imagined an American Christian would come visit me at my mosque. I never imagined. Can I tell you today that Yasser does not believe that Jesus is God. He does not believe that Jesus is the son of God. He does not believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. But Yasser believes in Levi. And how many of you know that's a great place to start? That's a great place to start right there. We have opportunities right in front of us all the time. The Bible says that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He was just on his way. He didn't go out of his way. You don't have to go out of your ways to find opportunities to surprise people with the grace of God. They're right in front of you. They're where you work. They're where you go to school. They're at the coffee shop you visit every day. There's opportunities to demonstrate God's grace. The final surprise I want to draw your attention to is, well, actually, before we do that, let me ask you this question. We're talking about opportunities. Who is the Zacchaeus in your life? Who is the Zacchaeus in your life? Who is the person in your life That everybody shuns or everybody. It's you know what I'm talking about. It's the guy or the gal in your office that nobody wants to get stuck, you know, having a long conversation with. It's like, you know what? They just annoy everybody. I don't want to have. What if you surprise that person with grace? What if when they're always sitting by themselves at lunch, you took them out to lunch? What if you did something they would never expect to do you to do? You can do this. You can do this. The final surprise here is is this. You might be surprised by the way lost people respond to the grace of God. Verse number 8 says this, But Zacchaeus, he stood up and he said, Lord, look, Lord, he said, here and now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not I'll think about it, not I'll pray about it. He said, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. Which, by the way, that was above and beyond what the law required. He said, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay four times the amount. Four times the amount. That's 120%. The the, the law required 120% payback if you were a thief. 120%. What you stole and 20%. He pays back 400%. What's going on here? What is Zacchaeus doing? Come on. He's repenting. Was there a sermon? Was there a rebuke? No, nothing but the display of God's goodness in his life. And when God's goodness was revealed to him, he said, wow, I don't need this stuff anymore. I don't need to be a thief anymore. I don't need to be a taker. I can be a giver now because I've received the greatest gift of all. It's his kindness. The Bible says that leads us to repentance. Here's what I see here. When lost people are surprised by the grace of God, they will be saved by the grace of God. It's not our job to save them. It's our job to surprise them. (laughs) We have incredible opportunities right in front of us every day to surprise people with grace. How many of you remember the day that you were surprised with the grace of God? It changed everything. Somebody reached out to you that surprised you. How could they reach out to me like that? Remember that day and do likewise. Verse number nine, Jesus said to Zacchaeus, he said, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a what? A son of Abraham. Remember, Zacchaeus, a Jew, was excommunicated. He was treated like he was no longer a Jew, not a son of Abraham. And Jesus, in front of the whole crowd, says that day, today, this man, too, is a son of Abraham. In the New Living Translation, it says he's a true son of Abraham. Jesus restores his identity to who he really is. We have no record of Zacchaeus praying the sinner's prayer. This is another thing pastors shouldn't say. <laughs> we have no record of Zacchaeus praying the sinner's prayer. Just like the sinful woman last week, no record of praying the sin, sin, sinner's prayer. Repentance doesn't always have words. But it always has action. Always. 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 We can say things. We can say, I'm sorry. I'll never again. I'll give stuff to the poor. Or we can do like Zacchaeus. Right here, right now, I'm going to do something. Because of this revelation of the grace of God in his life, he said, right here, right now, I'm going to repent. So I want to close with this. Maybe you're here today at church and church for you is like Zacchaeus climbing up a tree. You're here today and you're just trying to get a better look at Jesus. That's it. You knew he was passing by and you thought, you know what? I got to get a better look at Jesus. I'm going to sit in the balcony. I'm going to sit on main floor. I'm going to go to glad tidings today. I just better look at Jesus. And here's what I believe God is doing this morning. I believe He's doing exactly what He did back then. He's going exactly to the spot where you are. That's what the Bible says. And He looked up at Zacchaeus. And He said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down. Zacchaeus, come down. Immediately. Because I have a gift for you. And my gift for you is me. I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming to your house today. And I believe that God, by his spirit, is calling you today by name. He's coming to your spot exactly where you're seated. And he's saying, I have a gift for you. I'm coming to your house today. Some of you came to church to get a better look at Jesus. And you're going to walk out of here and hear the words. Salvation has come to this house. Salvation has come to this house. I want you to do this if you would. Bow your heads with me. If that's you, you're here today. You're like Zacchaeus. You came to get a better look. But you realize today that God is calling you by name. And he's saying, come down immediately. I have a gift for you. And it's the gift of salvation. If that's you here today, raise your hand nice and high. Pastor, I'm Zacchaeus. I'm far from God, but I'm ready to draw near and be right with God today. Would you raise your hand nice and high? All over the auditorium. All over the auditorium. Hands up. God bless you. Who else? On the main floor, in the balcony. You're here today and you're saying, I am far from God, but I'm drawing near right now. God bless you. Thank you. I see multiple hands coming. Listen, God, God knows your name. He's calling you by name. On the inside, you hear his voice. People have rejected you. People have cast you out. They want nothing to do with you because of your behavior, because of the decisions that you've made. Nobody wants you. And Jesus is saying, I want you. I want you. I want to do this. I want everybody to stand, if you would, today with me. And this is the most important thing here today. What I love about Zacchaeus is this. Zacchaeus had a bold faith. He had a bold faith in front of everybody. Climbed up that tree, climbed down that tree. And he welcomed Jesus into his home. And I want to do that today with you. If that's you here today, you're not afraid of anybody in this room. You have no reason to fear anybody in this room. Jesus called his followers publicly. And they would climb it down from trees. They would leave their nets and they would follow him. And if that's you today, I'm just going to give you a bold invitation because I believe God's given you a bold faith to just come down here right now with me and declare and declare your public repentance, your public repentance. You're saying, you know what? I'm leaving my life of sin. I'm leaving who I used to be. And I am now following Jesus. If that's you, please come to the front. Step out of your aisle. Step out of your seat. Come down the front. And let's get get this thing right with God. We have to remember... Jesus' death, Jesus's death on the cross was a public death. It was a public death. And your new birth in the kingdom is a public birth. It's public. It's public. And God is honoring your faith. <laughs> I love it. Father, thank you today for Zacchaeus. Thank you for reminding us of how powerful your grace is. God, I thank you for those who came forward today and they're, they're responding. They hear you calling. They're coming to you. God, and they're coming to the front as, as a public demonstration of their repentance, of changing their mind about the way, their old life and embracing a new life in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you'd help us as the church to treat people the way you treat them, to love them like you love them, God. God, surprise us. Surprise us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our prayer workers are going to come forward. If, If you came forward, our prayer workers would love to just spend a couple minutes with you. We've got a gift we'd love to give you. Thank you so much. Can we put our hands together again for what God is doing? So the response this morning is this. Identify the Zacchaeus is in your life and surprise them with grace. Our small groups are going to be talking about that tonight and all throughout the week. I hope you're part of a small group. They're going to dig into this a little bit more. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in Jesus.